Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, this is Olaomi Brigway and welcome to episode 167 of the Super Abundant Life podcast. It's becoming quite a mouthful. Saying these numbers, maybe I should just say 167. But I always say that and then come back and end up saying 167. I wonder how I'm going to have to say it when it's 1,234. (laughs) We'll see when we get there. Anyway, you're welcome. Thank you for being a part of this episode. As always, it is my pleasure to bring you these teachings and to be a part of your journey to your super abundant life. Have you given us a rating or a review on the platform that you normally listen to us? The podcast is available on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Anchor. If you have not yet given us a review or a rating, can I just encourage you to do that? You can leave a rating which is going to take you about two seconds, or you can go further to actually write a review. I would very much appreciate that. So if you can, that would be lovely. Right, let's get into what I'm going to be talking about today. I started a two-part series, so I started that last week, on how to navigate the waiting seasons of your life on two fronts, and that's why it's a two-part episode. The first is your disposition. What really should your outlook be when you're waiting for the manifestation of the things that you have envisioned in your life? How should you live life day to day? How should you face the challenges, the disappointments, the discouragement, even the times of celebration when you experience the wins? What should your emotional state be during that time? I talk about that in episode 166, which is the one that immediately precedes this episode. If you have not listened to that, even though today's episode is a standalone, I would very much encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. And of course, the second, the second part of navigating the waiting season 
is your activities. What should you be doing? A lot of times we're not very clear as to what we should be doing, especially if you're a Christian and somehow we have been sold this idea that if you do anything, quote and unquote, you are helping God and God doesn't need your help. And people tend to have entered into this confused state that once I believe God for something, I meant to just sit down, do nothing and wait for God to just move and do everything. Um, you may end up waiting for the rest of your life if we take on that kind of attitude. There is what is God's part and most certainly that is what is our part that leads to the manifestation of any desire that God puts in our heart. For any prayer that you pray, there is always going to be a part that you need to play. And that is what I want to address. Just to bring some kind of clarity to what should you be doing? How can you make sure you're facing the journey towards your manifestation in a way that is productive, that is effective so that you maximize your waiting season? And hopefully by the end of this episode, you will know for sure the areas that you can begin to work on in order for you to maximize your waiting season. So that's what today's episode is going to be about. What should you be doing while you're waiting? What are the quote unquote corresponding actions that will get you to the other side? And to help me today, I'm going to go into the Bible and just share about four or five verses and it's a very interesting story. And that was literally what opened my own eyes several years ago to the fact that there is your part and there is God's part. This was literally a scripture that God showed me and told me specifically that you need to start working on yourself. There's certain things that I cannot do for you, no matter how much I love you, no matter how much I want to get that promise into your life. There are things that you as the human being that has authority on this earth will need to do in the physical activities realm. And that story is in second Kings chapter three. So I'm going to just give you a little bit of a background because I don't want to read the whole story. I just want to read a couple of verses. So three kings, which are the kings of Israel, Judah and Edom, went to war against another kingdom and they carried all their troops. They went into battle on their way to the battlefield. They got to a place that was pretty much dried out. It was like a wilderness. And because they had to come there for a couple of days, they ran out of water. And of course, if you run out of water during a battle, then you've literally handed victory to the opposition because of course, without water, no human being can function. So in their desperation, they cried out to God for help. They sent for the prophet Elisha and they literally said, can you please plead on her behalf and ask God to provide us with the solution to this problem? Because if we don't have an answer soon, this will be the end of all three kingdoms that have come together to go and fight against that other king. Okay, so that's where I'm going to pick up from. So Elijah shows up and I'll start from verse 9. Say, so the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom and they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. And Elisha said, bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him and he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle and your animals may drink. 
Okay, so that's it. That's all I'm going to read from that scripture. Now, isn't it interesting? So we've clearly identified and established that there was a great need. There was a great need that a man could not meet. It wasn't a matter of, oh, just send a couple of hundreds of soldiers down to the lake so that they can get some water for the rest of us. No, they were in a dry place and there was no water around them, probably for miles or more. Because if there was water, they could have easily solved that problem and sent some of their fastest soldiers to go and get water. So isn't that sounding like the situation that you find yourself in terms of the desire that you want? You know that there's something, there's a giant leap that you want in your life. And it's not a matter of, oh, I just need to organize myself, sit down, spend two hours doing this and I'll get it done. It's not that kind of situation. It's the kind of situation where you need divine intervention. Hence where prayer comes in so that's where they were we've established that this is what we're talking about where you have a desire that is beyond you and you need divine intervention to help you bring it to pass the second thing we established was when god spoke god definitely gave them a promise and he said i will make water available god said through elisha you shall not see wind you shall not see rain yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you your cattle and your animals may drink so god responded and said i'm very happy to meet that need this is what's going to happen the water will come the other thing while i'm still on that second point you will see that god said you will not see wind you will not see rain meaning this thing is going to be a supernatural occurrence you will not be able to necessarily track it by the progress that you're making in your day-to-day life like oh i'm doing this and i can see that things are progressing not necessarily it will come out of the blue it will happen suddenly but that is actually god's part you can't sort of plan god's part you can't coerce or manipulate god into doing his part first of all he's extra willing to do it for you but you can't choose and decide for example how god wants to do it you can't say god i say this is exactly how it must happen and this is exactly when it must happen and this is exactly who you must use to make it happen all those things are entirely up to god let him decide who he wants to create this supernatural intervention or miracle through and your job is what we're coming to last the third part is elisha said to them dig ditches make this valley full of ditches why are they digging ditches in preparation for the water that was coming now for you to dig ditches clearly is an act of faith it is what some may call your corresponding actions because if you believe the word of god that you will secure that promotion that dream role you've always wanted that you will operate at a certain level of finances that you will get married that your child will get into that school that seems so out of reach and so on if you believe that rain is coming that water is coming then you will indeed begin to dig the ditches, collect the water. So it's a form of corresponding action. It's a show of faith. If somebody says to you, it was your birthday recently and I want to treat you. Next Thursday at 7 p.m., I'm going to take you out to a fancy dinner. Now, if you believe that person, if you trust them, if you believe they have integrity, that they show up when they say they're going to show up, what is the evidence of that belief that you have? You will check your calendar and make sure that you're free. You will put things in place to free you to attend that dinner, even though the person literally has not showed up. 
Wednesday or Thursday, whichever one I said, <laughs> is not here yet. But in preparation, in preparation for that dinner date, you would make sure that you are able to show up and receive it. It's exactly the same thing. So God said to them, yes, I'm going to supply. However, here's your part. Dig ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. So meaning the preparation part, digging the ditches represents your corresponding action. When you're working on yourself, when you're developing yourself, when you're working on quote unquote the container in preparation for receiving the water that is coming. And of course, God said to them, you're digging the ditches, but you will not see wind, you will not see rain, but the water will come. So a lot of times when you're working on yourself in that season of corresponding action, you will not necessarily have encouraging signs plastered around you. It will be a season where you're doing the thing, you're required to be faithful, but there are not many encouraging signs. So that's another thing I wanted to emphasize because people think that as long as I'm doing my part, as long as I'm showing up to take the courses and doing all those things, then boom, by next week, the things should happen. Not necessarily. Even if it looks like you spent a year working on something, don't give up because that year that you spent working on it and it looks like it still hasn't happened, it has not been lost and it hasn't been wasted. You have dug the ditches and I guarantee you those ditches will be very useful when the water finally comes. The manifestation is God's part, his responsibility. It will be easy for him, but it will be virtually impossible for you. For example, the Red Sea, God said your corresponding action is move forward, move forward while the water is still there. Okay. But his responsibility is to part the Red Sea. It is impossible for Moses or the children of Israel to have parted the Red Sea. That's God's part. But their part was to move forward. Can you see the difference? Okay. So what can we say about this work, this corresponding work that is required as a show of your faith? Number one is there's always a work required of you in the waiting season. There's nothing like I'm just waiting here for these things to happen. I don't need to be doing anything. Even if your corresponding action is to daily give God thanks for the manifestation, for the outcome while waiting for what you should be doing, there's always something to do. That's number one. Number two, what you do during your waiting season and how you do it matter they matter. God said, dig the ditches. If they had only dug one ditch, would it not have mattered? It would have. If they had dug many ditches and very, very shallow, able to only hold one liter of water each, it would have mattered. So that's the second thing. Number three is if you're only interested in the outcome, the results, the manifestation, and you keep ignoring what you're meant to be doing during the waiting season, you will end up wasting that waiting season. And finally, wasting the waiting season could mean a delay in receiving the outcome. That is one consequence of wasting the season. So something that if you had really applied yourself and committed six months to getting this thing done, it would have happened at the end of the six months, but you ignored every prompting, the desires that God was putting inside you to take certain actions 
that means that the six months would come and go and there's still no manifestation. An example, a clear example of that in the Bible is the children of Israel. God had a specific time frame that he wanted to take them through the wilderness and into the promised land, but they ignored everything that God told them. As a result of that, they missed that deadline. They had to now wait for another season and their own season, because they had actually cursed themselves with their words, they all had to die and it was 40 years later before the next generation could go in. So it is possible to waste the waiting season in a way that delays the manifestation of that outcome. Or worse, wait, I don't know if it's worse, but the other consequence of wasting the waiting season is it could actually mean going into the new season. So the thing actually happens, it manifests, but going into the new season and facing its demands unprepared. Because I guarantee you, every new season comes with its own challenges. Every new season comes with things that you need to learn and to grow into. So if God had been bringing opportunities your way to grow in this and to grow in that and to build your character and to acquire certain skills and knowledge, knowing that when you get into the new season, you're definitely going to need that extra layer of growth and strength, but you ignore all of that, then what happens is you face the demands unprepared. You are now under tremendous pressure to grow quickly in this new role. And that is where people then start to complain. I say, oh, but I got married and come and see, I didn't know marriage was like this. Oh, I got promoted into this senior leadership role. Now I don't even have a life anymore. I'm just confused. They start complaining. You had opportunities during your waiting season to have grown. Does that mean you grow completely to the point that nothing phases you? That's not what I'm saying. But you can reduce the gap to a very large extent so that it doesn't overwhelm you when you step into that new season. So you have two choices if you're in that position. You have to learn to grow quickly. In fact, it's really just one choice. Grow quickly, right? Grow, reduce your sleeping time. <laughs> reduce your Instagram time. I say, ha, it's me and you in this thing. And dedicate concentrated times into prayer, into growth, learning, development, all those things, just so that you can increase your capacity very quickly. And of course, if it doesn't happen, if you don't go into that heightened season of growth, that new season that's meant to be a blessing can become a curse. God forbid. Okay. So next I'm going to talk about what are the ways that you could misuse or waste your waiting season. If I'm talking about how dire it is for someone to waste their waiting season, I want to bring more light to you, more clarity so that you can identify these things and then them into action and of course i will finish up the episode with how you can wait well what are the specific things that you can be doing in your waiting season so let's look at ways that you could actually misuse the waiting season the first one is underestimating the requirements of the outcome if you don't know what it will require of you when you finally step into that new season of course you're going to waste the waiting season for example the foolish virgins were certain they were absolutely certain that they wouldn't need to wait long for the bridegroom. And because of that, they spent the time sleeping instead of going to get extra oil. The waiting season between when they arrived and when the bridegroom arrived, they could have gone to get oil. They could have looked at the people that came with them, the five wise virgins, and said, hey, so why do you people have more oil? And they would have thought, well, from experience, or we just had this idea that, do you know what? It looks like this guy is going to come late. 
They could have done that. They could have observed other people in the environment and thought, oh, if they have that, what would I lose? After all, the time I'm spending waiting is just going to waste anyway. How can I be more productive? If you see somebody that has a qualification for a particular role that you are aiming for and you have the time, it's only going to take you an extra 30 minutes per day or even one hour per week. And you know that even if it's not what opens the door, having that qualification will still add to your knowledge, your skills. Why are you spending that one hour on Instagram? That's what these guys did. They saw that the other ones had oil. And they knew they had oil because when the bridegroom came, they went to them. They said, please give us oil. So they knew they had oil before the bridegroom came, right? But they just were lounging, gisting. The guy now came, they were pleading, but the door was not open to them. So you have to ask, what are the demands of this new level? What are the demands of marriage? People are saying, I want to marry, I want to marry. Have you gone to married people to say, what exactly do I need to learn as a married woman in the way I talk to my husband, in the way that I raise my children? Someone says, I'm looking for the fruit of the womb. Have you gone to ask parents that in the first one year, what are the challenges? What books do I go and read? I mean, <laughs> we don't wait until the thing lands, we'll now start scrambling and then complaining. Complaining about the blessing God gave you. God gave you that giant leap in your career. You're not complaining about the pressure you're being put under. You can prepare in advance. The second way you can waste or misuse your waiting season is if you do not commit to personal or character growth by addressing clearly identified flaws. So you look at yourself. I mean, any level of life that you want to climb into, your character is going with you. Your skills may not be useful. Your knowledge may not be useful. It may end up being redundant, but your character is going with you no matter where you go. So if you know, if you have identified certain things about your character that you know that, mm -mm, let me work on this thing now as related to this area of life that I'm expecting growth in. So for example, somebody says, I want to build a successful business and they're currently in a nine to five. They dream about owning their own business. They dream about working flexibly and being able to impact people's lives through their business. That's beautiful. That's fantastic. You're praying towards it and all that stuff, right? But have you sat down to actually think about it and say, currently, I don't have a lot of discipline with regards to how I spend my time. People have to chase me before I deliver. If you carry that kind of character deficiency into owning a business, the business cannot prosper. It is not a curse. It is as simple as that. So you identify, you look at it and say, this kind of character growth will be required for me to prosper at this new level that I'm going into. So start working on it. You don't need to get married and wait for your husband to tell you about that sharp tongue before you start working on the sharp tongue. You can decide now and say, hey, this kind of tongue, if I carry it into marriage, I just know that it's going to create problems. So let me be wise and begin to tame my tongue now so that by the time I've entered into the marriage, I've gained some strength in being able to watch what I speak and how I speak it. That's the second one. You have to continually commit 
to personal development, anything that you have identified as a flaw that could hold you back in your next level, character flaw, start working on it. Jesus spoke the parable about a servant whose master left him in charge of the other servants in the house when the master was going on a long journey. So while the master was gone, this guy just essentially maltreats all the other servants in the house. The master came back, found out what he had done and dismissed him. That's a beautiful example of someone that does not prepare their character for the next season. Now I can imagine that servant thinking, oh, one day I would love to be in charge of this household and so on. And of course, because of his diligence, because of other qualities that he has, the master says, yes, 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 I'm going to put it in charge. But what I'm saying is once you have your eyes set on where you want to be, you have to look at your character. You have to look at the things inside you that could jeopardize your position in that new level. So if you know that you have it in you to maltreat the other servants, why wait until you are given the opportunity? Start working on it now. Start deliberately being kind to the other servants as practice so that by the time the master gives you the responsibility and goes away on his journey, you effortlessly just flow into being someone that is kind, that they can come and talk to and you take care of them really well. Because who you are, on the old level, if you don't change, is who you are going to be on the new level. And if that character flaw shows up on a greater level, it will be magnified in people's eyes. The servant may have mistreated one servant at a time when he wasn't the head of the whole thing and nobody would really have noticed. But once he was put on that pedestal and he was mistreating everybody, it became too noticeable to turn a blind eye. And of course, he lost his job. The third way you can misuse or waste your waiting season is by choosing not to be faithful with what is already in your hands. What is already in your hands. So someone says, I want a promotion into that new level. But they look at what is already in their hands and they despise it. They look at the job they already have, the job description, and they're busy wishing for the next level to come quickly. They start showing up less and less with what is already in their hands. They are choosing not to be faithful and diligent with what already has been committed into their hands. A very good example of that is the parable of the talents. The guy looks at the one talent that he was given and says, look, that guy has two, that guy has five. I only have one. If I had two, if I had five, I would do something. I would be faithful. But since I only have one, I'm going to go and bury it. And because he wasn't faithful with what was in his hands, in that season, he was completely cut off and he didn't go into that new level. Whatever you find in your hands, be faithful with it. If you're only an administrative assistant now, but you know your capacity, your intelligence, your qualifications have exceeded that role and you're looking forward to getting a promotion, it doesn't mean you now start treating the admin tasks like they're nothing, like they're beneath you. And you start complaining and grumbling and showing up 50% when you could be showing up 100% and that work begins to suffer as a result of that attitude. That is a dangerous way to spend your waiting season because it could actually 
actually, as we see in the parable, cut you off from that next level. Let's even make this thing practical. Somebody begins to behave like that and they want someone to write them a reference for the next promotion they're looking for. What do you think your manager is going to write? And if somehow they bypass that reference and still hire you into that promotion, you're going to carry those same bad habits into the new role because that's who you are. It's a habit now. You've trained yourself to only show up 50% because you thought when I have the new role, I'm going to be diligent. It doesn't work like that. Who you are at the lower level is exactly who you are going to show up as at the higher level. So the next way you can waste your waiting season or misuse it is by becoming cynical and distrusting of God during the waiting season, playing the victim. God, why is this not happening? Why have you not done this? No, praise should continually leave your mouth to God's ears because as far as God is concerned, he has already done it. Now, let me tell you realistically and in a very practical way why you should not give your mouth to complaining and bitter rants. Here's the deal. The more you complain about why something hasn't happened and how long something is taking, do you know that your words create your reality? The Bible teaches that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it, that love what? The power that is in the tongue, whether for good or for evil, whether for life or for death, he says they will eat the fruit of it. So you are a product, or let me say it this way, your life is a product of what you are continually saying out of your mouth. So if you keep saying this thing is delayed, God is not answering me. Look at all the other people that are prospering. How come people are advancing? It's because I'm this. It's because I'm that. Even if you are saying sort of things that are sounding nice or good, like oh, it's because I'm not praying enough. Who said it is because you pray enough that God will open up a miracle channel to you? Is it by praying that miracles come to us? Praying, yes, can position you in a place where you don't start saying these kind of things in your mouth. Because prayer really is preparation. It's the tealing of the heart. The Holy Spirit is showing you things. He's teaching you. He's bringing you into greater intimacy so that you can trust him more where that thing is concerned. Prayer is not, I've prayed 10 hours. Okay, God, I've prayed. Oh, oh yeah, come and give me my reward of my miracle. Prayer is not supposed to be an exchange for miracles. Prayer is preparation. So if you keep saying things like that and even condemning yourself or condemning God or condemning other people for experiencing their own miracles, you're creating an atmosphere around yourself that repels that miracle. So be careful what you're saying with your mouth. Don't allow yourself to be drawn into that cynical attitude towards life. Like, oh, well, no matter what you do, it doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. Just let's just not waste our time. Let's just stay where we are. Stop. You are a child of the most high God. Nothing is impossible to you with God and you are with God. That means nothing is impossible to you. Look at Zechariah, who was John the Baptist's father. He had entered into cynicism on another level. In fact, I believe that it was the faith of Elizabeth that pulled that child into reality. Zechariah was gone. His heart was hard like stone. Imagine an angel. And the angel didn't show up like in human body, like just like an ordinary person, because angels do show up like that. 
But this one, he saw the angel and he I was like, ah. So he, he had an, a supernatural experience. So he knew this angel was from God and so on. And the angel gave you a message. And you were like, no, there's no way this can happen. I'm too old. My wife is too old, etc., etc." How can you have supernatural experiences, whether present or past? And you can still open your mouth and be saying, God, why is this happening? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you deserted me? Why is it happening for other people? Like you don't, you're basically showing you don't really know God. You have not really tasted and seen that the Lord is good. That's why you're talking like that. Or you forgot. Like the Israelites forgot. They forgot. If you've tasted, if you've experienced God, so your own representative of that angelic experience that Zechariah had, that should have convinced him that, ah, this is God working, could be how you got into a particular role you never thought you could get. How you got married, how God blessed you in this one, blessed you in that one. You should catalog those things and continually revisit them. If you forget those things, your heart will become cynical towards God. So the angel showed up to Zechariah and was like, no, you can't happen. No. I know you're an angel. Though. I know you've come from the presence of God. Though. But it can never happen. It cannot happen. And what did I say about how your words create your experiences? What did the angel do next? The angel shut his mouth. Because John the Baptist had to come. The season was ripe. Elizabeth was ready. Mary was ready. Joseph was on standby. It was literally the Kairos moment. And this one little cog in the wheel is going to disrupt God's plans. When other people are ready and positioned, God said, no, it's not me and you. And God just basically boom, zipped his mouth shut until he came into agreement with what God was doing. So be careful though. Be careful. Just say, hey, God understands. He does not understand. He cannot break his law, which is that words are creative forces. Say, hey, he understands. I'm just whining to my God. Be careful what you're saying about God and about your situation. Every word Jesus said will be judged. Just say, Joker, I was just joking. Just say, Even the things you think you're saying in jest, they will be judged. So be careful. Don't enter into that place of cynicism. This is the perfect opportunity. The waiting season is for you to develop your relationship with God. It's for you to be growing daily in your knowledge, intimate knowledge of God. In the times of discouragement, it's an opportunity for you to run into God and say, God, help me, help me, help me, show me. And he's showing you things and he's encouraging you and he's opening your eyes and you're just having this great fellowship with him. This is what you're meant to be using your waiting period for with regards to God, not complaining and throwing false accusations at God. Hmm. The next way that you can misuse or waste your waiting season is by not serving others and making it all about yourself. How many stories have we read in the Bible where people have waited for the manifestation of their promise and it was when they helped somebody that the door opened up. So if you're like, it's me, myself and I, oh, this thing I want, I'm going to, you know, you can even be doing all the right things, doing the personal development and reaching yourself, making sure you're developing, getting ready, preparing for that new level and so on. But please do not ignore opportunities to help people. In fact, in fact, for your own 
mental health. You must create opportunities regularly to be pouring into other people, to be investing in other people, because the reward that comes from that, that fulfillment is what you keep you saying. When you feel discouraged, go and serve somebody, go and help somebody. Do you see what I mean? You say, oh, I love children. I love children so much. I just can't wait to be married so I can have my own children. On, on those days where you are feeling really, really, what's the word, broody, go and find somebody that just gave birth to a baby and they haven't slept in 10 days. <laughs> and say, do you know what? I love children. Find that person. Go and spend three hours in their house so that they can go and sleep while you look after the baby. Do you see what I mean? And the joy, you're doing something that you love doing that will bring you joy and fulfillment. I mean, it has to be a part of your waiting season. Jesus said, if you have not been faithful in that which belongs to another man, who will give you your own? So when people say, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm waiting for this thing, who can you serve? That's one thing you definitely can be doing. Go and find who you can serve. It doesn't matter what area. It doesn't even have to be in the area of your own need. Just go and find somebody to help on a regular basis. And of course, the final way you can waste or misuse the waiting season is by busying yourself with activities that will not contribute to either the outcome or to keeping you in a joyful state of heart. Or what I mean by that is your enjoyment of life. Okay, so let's not get things mixed up, screwed up, confused. Like you should spend all your free time on personal development. You should spend all your free time watching marriage videos because you want to get married and so on. Yes, do that. But you should also have times where you are just literally enjoying your life, enjoying where you are. So that's what I mean by that. So if your activities, you are doing loads of activities that are either not contributing, number one, to your enjoyment of life, living a rich life, or that will not contribute to the outcome, to the next level that you're going to, you will waste or misuse that waiting season. And the very clear example of that is Mary and Martha. What Martha was doing was a good thing. She was cooking, but that was not what she was meant to be doing in that season. Do you see what I mean? So it's possible to be running around, to be doing stuff, to be busy, 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 busy. But you have to sit down and reflect and say, oh, this one to 50 things that I'm doing regularly, how is it contributing to my future? If it's not contributing to my future or contributing to my enjoyment of life, helping me to reach a rich and varied and full life, then it needs to go. It needs to go. Of course, to finish up the podcast, I'm going to talk about how do you then actually wait well? To wait well, what are the activities that you should commit to doing? The activities you commit to during your waiting season should stand on three pillars. The first pillar is you should be building yourself up spirit, soul, and body. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Spirit means you should be growing spiritually. You should commit to activities that are growing you spiritually. In essence, what does that mean? That are growing your confidence and strength in God generally, but also specifically in that area. Do you see? Someone says, I want to have a child. I'm looking for the fruit of the womb. 
Can you begin to grow your confidence and trust in God as a mother or as a father that when you have your child, nothing can ever touch that child, no sickness will touch that child, no disease will touch that child, no accident, that the child will go on to do excellently at school and so on. You can begin to prepare and literally establish your heart in the promises of God regarding your child, even before the child shows up here. Do you see what I mean? So spiritually grow your confidence in that area that you're looking forward to, as well as just growing your confidence and your trust in God, period. So you should be growing spiritually during your waiting season. So that's spirit. Soul means mentally, intellectually, you should be learning and acquiring knowledge and wisdom that is already available on the earth for your new season. Sticking with my example of the fruit of the womb, he started reading parenting books. He started reading books about pregnancy, how to conceive, what happens during pregnancy, childbirth, and so on. You start following certain pages on Instagram. You start enriching your mind with the knowledge, the wisdom, the insights already on the earth. People that have already gone ahead of you, that have gone before you, so that by the time the season comes, you are equipped with wisdom to be able to handle whatever challenges the season brings, or you can just way ahead, ward them off because you already know and you have done things to make sure those things don't happen to you. I mean, we read all the time about postpartum depression. You know, you are looking to God to give you the fruit of the womb, but you are not doing anything to say that what exactly causes it? Does it just jump on people? What can I do to prevent it? You see what I mean? You just walk into the new season armed with the knowledge you have of the old season. Expand your mind. Read books. Purchase courses. Do stuff. Speak to people that have gone ahead. So grow in your soul, mentally, intellectually, regarding that new season. And the third one, body, is physically. What I mean by that is begin to grow or to build or accumulate physical assets that you will need in the new season. For example, sticking with the person that wants to get pregnant, prepare your body for pregnancy. So if they say that, oh, start eating certain kinds of fruits, start walking, start exercising, start to do those things. Create the physical assets. So physically, what can you do physically to make sure you are ready for the new season? You say, I want to have a child. Okay, will the child go to nursery? Then go and open a fund that will make sure that when the child turns however number of months or years they need to start school, you already have money ready. Begin to create physical, quote unquote, ditches that will hold the water when it comes. Okay, so that's the first one. Build yourself up spirit, soul, and body. Don't neglect any of the three. Make sure you're committing to all three. The second thing, the second pillar that your preparations, your actions should rest on is enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going. This is so important. Enjoy your life. You will never get that waiting season back. You never will. Enjoy it. Expand your social connections. Do things that you enjoy. Pick up hobbies, habits, things that will enrich your life that in the new season, you may not even have time to do and enjoy those things anymore. Enjoy your life. And the final pillar that your activities should rest on during the waiting season is invest in others. 
build other people up. Be outward facing. Be outward facing. So seeds that when your own season shows up, you are enjoying harvests. You just step into harvests. So for example, someone says, oh, I'm at this job and I want to get promoted into senior leadership and they're looking forward to that and they're doing everything else. Go out and find people that maybe are to your own level at middle leadership or are even behind you and go and start helping them. Even the people that are trying to look for jobs, go and help them with their CV. Say, actually, at this level, I can tell you that this is what your CV needs to look like. Help them with interview prep and so on. Volunteer for projects. You have the time, do it. Do that. Invest in what is not directly going to affect your own life. Because what happens is there are harvests that will then come to you as you step into your own new season. You just step into a season of harvests. That things are just flowing and happening for you. And you're wondering, why are things so easy? Why am I so favored in this new role? That's what you need to do. So be outward facing. Make sure that you are investing in other people during your waiting season. So those are the three pillars. You want to wait well. Number one, make sure you are building yourself up. Spirit, soul, and body. Number two, make sure you are enjoying your life. Don't be moody. Don't stay in that place of sadness. Like until this thing happens, I'll never be happy. No, no, please don't do that. Okay. Joy is the atmosphere that God lives in. So when you create an atmosphere of joy, it gives God room to come and do what only he can do in that environment. Okay. So be happy. Enjoy your life expand your experiences. This is the time to do it. It's not when you have the new level. Don't postpone it. Start now. And of course, the third one is to build up other people as you're waiting for your own door to open. So that's the end of my two-part series on what to do during your waiting season, how to ensure that you maximize your waiting season so that number one, there are no delays. At the right time, you step into your new season and number two you prosper and thrive on that new level this is allow me brigway and i will be back next week with another episode see you then